0: Welcome to the fifth episode of You'll Think of Something. My name is Allie Perkins. I'm a longtime talent professional with loads of experience in facilitation, training design, and program management.
1: And I'm Kara Oropalo. I'm a producer turned professor. I spent 12 years in production management at DreamWorks Animation, and now I teach creative management to university students and newly
0: minted leaders in animation studios across the country. So this is episode five, and we are starting to wind down this season. Our discussions have been pretty structured up until this point, but I have to say today's topic, which is inspiration, at its very core, defies structure. Uh, But for all of you worksheet lovers out there, don't worry. There's still a worksheet for this episode. It's just a little more loosey-goosey. They're more like reflection questions this time around. Do you have anything to add to that, Kara? Well, it's interesting. I actually want to play devil's advocate for a moment and
1: say that although inspiration itself defies structure, uh, I think the concept of allowing space or making time for inspiration requires structure, um, which I will talk about more in my worksheet answers.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. That's the kind of conversation it's going to be today. Cool. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) so Allie inspiration why are we talking about this so we're talking about inspiration because it's important to explore what inspires us especially during difficult or stressful times when it can be more challenging to find or experience things that spark that light of creativity or productivity in ourselves And we want to share with you the ways in which we have been inspired over the years to make work, to share work, and to experience the work of others in so many different ways.
1: That's lovely,
0: Allie. Thank you, Kara. But really, um, this is a difficult time right now for a lot of people. And so when... I, he- I hear two things on opposite sides of the spectrum. One of them is, like, if you just get out of bed and, like, you know, take a shower, you're doing great, you know, like, good for you. And then the other end of the spectrum is that there are people who have found an enormous amount of time to be really productive for them. So they've created things that they wouldn't normally have had the time to create. Uh, we're examples of that as well, like right. just creating this right. podcast. Mm-hmm. Or they've been able to explore avenues of their art or other avenues of art uh, separate from what they have done in the past. And so and I, I'm here to say, like, both of those places are okay. Yeah, um, they can both exist at the same time. That's true, too. <laughs> um <laughs> But also that I want to talk about inspiration for the people who are just able to get out of bed, who are Mm -hmm. seeking that inspiration to come back to them. They're looking, but they can't find it right now. And so I really just want to jog that mental space, right, for our listeners. I
1: love that. Okay, wonderful. Let's do some jogging, shall we? But like not the treadmill kind. (laughs) Okay, um, so we're going to jump into our worksheet. Uh, Just a reminder, we do not look at each other's answers. Um, We are just two people talking about inspiration on a Saturday night together. Allie, what is inspiration
0: and why is it important? So... Inspiration is that force that compels you to create. It's a transcendent feeling, an urge that can be brought on by an experience, a dream, a song, or anything else you can imagine. And it's important because it's the energy that fuels creativity, and in some ways, it also fuels productivity. Mm -hmm. And without inspiration, there would be no forward movement of society.
1: Oh, I love that bold quote from Allie Perkins,
0: part-time sociologist. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm not a sociologist at all. Yeah,
1: that's <laughs> lovely. I love that. Um, my my definition is that it is being mentally stimulated mm. to do something or feel something, especially creative. I think it's that jump start. Yeah, right. It's that like it's that like lighting the fire, the internal fire.
0: Isn't that so funny though that? Um... When we talk about inspiration, we talk about it in terms of light, fire, spark, heat, energy, right? Like that is the the metaphor. Yeah,
1: what's interesting too about that is that I was talking about this with my husband Brandon before, and. Um, he uh, was president of the Latin club in school. So whenever we talk about any, he's like a junior etymologist. Um, So whenever we talk about words, he talks about where they came from and what's the Latin root word or the Greek root word. And so he said the Latin, it has a Latin root of spiro, which actually means like breathing. Yeah, yes. Respiration, aspiration. um, uh, And we were talking about all the different like, spiros that were out there, right? Yes. And isn't it neat? And I, I think that's neat because um it's it's almost like to light a fire, it's like you you're giving you're giving oxygen to a fire, right? And so there's like breath and there's light and those things go together to me, which makes me happy. So for me, um yeah, going back to like the mental stimulation, um I also think inspiration is Um, also the purpose behind whatever we are doing, which sort of goes back to what you were saying before about like um, this time being a time that some people have been able to uh, like uh, either discover a new purpose or really grasp onto a purpose. Um, And I think that's happened for a couple of different reasons. Um, I think some people's small businesses have had to adjust Right. And so there's that it's like, well, necessity is the mother of invention. Um, But then I also think there are moments that it's like I have a lot more feelings or I'm seeing things and they're making me feel this way. Right. So like I think purpose can uh, and inspiration can also come from almost like like strong negative feelings as well, like uh, Black Lives Matter or seeing unhoused people in line at the food bank, like all of that inspires us to do more as well. And there's been a
0: lot of that during this time as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, where do you go when you are seeking inspiration?
1: So uh, a big place of inspiration for me is quotations. Um, I'm a really big fan of quotes. Um, I, I I, I, I did this before I knew this was a thing. Like, when I was a little kid, I started um, keeping, like, quote notebooks. And when I would hear things or when I would see things, I would write them down. Um, and then that that evolved into, of course, like, me receiving, like, my mom used to give me quote books, and um, my husband gave me um, Bartlett's. And so it just became this thing that I started collecting these quotes. And even for a little while, um, I had... a a blog called that's an affirmative. Um, that was, it was positive affirmations basically, but after a little while, like it got a little bit too cheesy because I don't think that like being positive all the time is necessarily the right thing. Um, but I definitely look to scholars and authors and speakers, um, for affirmations and, and words to live by. And also because words are just like really important to me. Right. Um, so for, So for example, one of mine is, um, uh, inspiration exists, but it has to find you working, which is Pablo Picasso.
0: Oh, I love that. Isn't that a
1: lovely one? Yeah. Um, so I would say that's my, my biggest, um, form of inspiration. I have others, but I'm interested to hear what some of yours are too.
0: This question took me back to grad school where, um, I was getting my MFA in the book arts and I had to be inspired in order to start creating. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about the internet later Mm -hmm. um, because I really, I want to have a really robust uh, conversation around social media. Yeah, So that wasn't such a big thing for me. Social media wasn't such a huge thing for me in grad school. It's not where I went to get my inspiration. Um, So I was in grad school around 2008. Uh, But what I will say that I was always looking for was art and style that I could easily emulate and adapt so that when I saw something that I knew was in me as well, And that I could take to another level or that I could expand upon. So, like, for example, I go to decades as inspiration a lot. Oh, that's neat. So um, I really like the 60s, that whole, like, Mad Men vibe. I absolutely love it. And I love the lines in illustrations from the 60s. I love the colors in illustrations from the 60s. Um, The... The shapes, uh, the stars, the the way that uh, space travel really influenced uh, and science really influenced uh, the art of that decade uh, really, really spoke to me. And so even the makeup, like I just, I love it so much. Yeah. So I would go back uh, to the 60s a lot for inspiration when I was printmaking or bookmaking. And then um, I would also say that I go now... Um, And then uh, back to my Mexican culture, because when I'm looking for something that will speak to me, it's going to be those like really bold colors. It's going to be those tried and true patterns um, that I like to reinterpret or reimagine uh, and or apply to whatever project I'm working on. So when I'm looking for inspiration, I look backwards, which I think is is interesting too.
1: Yeah, but that's so neat that it comes from your own personal roots, but also like the roots of culture, the roots of Americana, what have you. That's really cool. I think other places that I go um, are uh, definitely, um, you know, the the the, the basic cultural zoetrope of music and movies and books as well um for music for me I'll definitely go in waves of a type of music or a musician that I'm obsessed with Mm -hmm. um that I lean into to be like the thing that I write to
0: or
1: the person that I'm that makes me feel calm um so and 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 it's so funny because like you can look at like (laughs) like when I was in uh, middle school, it was, like, Simon and Garfunkel, and, like, I would just, like, (laughs) sit in my room and, like, listen to Simon and Garfunkel on repeat as I, like, wrote bad poetry, and then in high school, it was was Dave Matthews' band. (laughs) Oh, the look Allie is serving
0: me right now, you guys. (laughs) There are two kinds of people in this world, (laughs) and I had no idea you were in one camp and I was in the other.
1: Oh, wait, when you say two people, does that mean you were in the fish camp or were you in a different camp?
0: If you're going to put me in one camp versus the other, I'll be in whatever camp Dave Matthews is not in. <laughs> oh, this is like
1: we're having a moment of realness here because I'm going to tell you that my AOL im no. screen name in no. high school was Fuzzy DMB. <laughs> And that is the truth. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, so it's not Dave Matthews' band anymore, but it was for a long time. Um, but now um, I have, uh, I'm a really big fan of, of uh, Motown and, um, you know, soul music, like more current uh, soul music that uh, sort of has its roots in Motown, things like Leon Bridges um and Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings and that sort of thing so those are the places that I go to as like my music um and then from a movie perspective I have like being a person who comes from you know making movies um I have these moments where I'll experience watching a movie that I have this like sucker punch of like I, I wish I made that movie I wish I made that movie. And I don't mean it in like a way that I'm disappointed someone else did. I'm like thrilled that someone made this movie. And I'm like, damn it, that's so good. Like, I love that movie. What movie? Um, Can
0: can you, like, is there a movie that you wish you had made?
1: Yeah. One very clear example for me was Little Miss Sunshine.
0: Oh, yes.
1: When I see that movie, I'm like, this is an effing perfect movie. Like, this is such a good movie. Oh, it's so good. And aesthetically and tonally and tastefully, like, it's just, like, 100% my kind of movie. Yeah. Um, Another movie for me is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is another movie that just, to me, is perfect. And uh, I just, when I watch it, I just, it takes my, all of my breath away and then, like, also refills me with life at the same time. Uh, So when I see those kinds of movies, it makes me be, like oh, God, I got to make a thing. I got to make a thing because this was really good and these kinds of things can exist in the world. Like, this beauty can happen.
0: And I I like having those moments. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess it's when you see something or hear something and you feel like it was written just for you or it was created just for you. And when you relate to art in that way, it's hard not to feel like you want to make something, yeah, absolutely.
1: um and in general, like it's interesting you say art because I know you're also of this ilk um alley, like I love going to museums, and I love yeah, I love art in general um i i, I used to go to museums, and now of course we don't <laughs> um but I like uh um. I like, I like getting out and seeing things that are on display. I like seeing curated forms of art. I like seeing what people think this should all go, this, this all works together, and here's why. Here's what we're trying to say with this collection.
0: Some of my favorite exhibits have been fashion-related. <clears throat> and what was it? There was one last year. I believe it was Dior,
1: at the Dallas Museum? Moment? Yes.
0: Yes, I remember that yeah. one. Yeah. And it was incredible. It was just incredible and inspired. And one of my favorite rooms was they had taken a gown or a garment and placed it on a body form or a dress form. And then behind it had placed a piece of art from the permanent collection. That complemented the dress form and the garment. It was incredible,
1: and that's what we're talking. Like that's that's inspirational to me. Like when you're like, because like like that's art on art on art.
0: Yes. Yes, and this is what I'm talking about, like inspiration moves society forward. When you're able to make those connections and say, oh, this wouldn't have existed without this, or this is the seed from which this idea or this designer or this artist sprang forth, it's so powerful to watch it like so closely.
1: Yeah. Layers.
0: Layers and layers, like an onion.
1: Allie, how much time do you spend seeking inspiration on, on a daily basis on a weekly basis in
0: a year like what's what's your thing what do you do how often <laughs> so um I'm not going to answer that question directly yet okay but I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story so oh. there's this great master class session uh you know the app Masterclass, uh, And there's one with Jeff Goodby and Rich Silverstein, the advertising duo behind the Got Milk campaign and the Budweiser Lizard. Oh, cool. And at some point, Jeff Goodby is talking about his sources of inspiration, and he's talking about a, a smoked cigarette butt that he used to keep in his office that had been smoked by David Ogilvy, who was the super you know well-known brilliant ad man and so um he was he had he was in a conversation with david ogilvy and david ogilvy asked him how many hours do you write each day and jeff goodby says i thought in the moment it must be a trick question so i decided to answer mm, somewhere around 8 to 10 hours a day and ogilvy said oh my poor boy you can't possibly be writing 8 to 10 hours a day you should be writing for 2 hours and the rest of the day you should be looking for things to write about and goodby took a second and he he said That made it so clear that your job is to be alert all the time for the things you can use, the things you can write about, and it turns you into an appreciator of your own life. Oh, that's lovely. And I love it so much because you have to be taking things in to be inspired. And to be putting things out. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, And you, I almost feel like if you think about your brain space as a physical space, there's only so much space in there. There's only so many things that you've experienced in this moment. So you Mm -hmm. have to be consciously and consistently bringing things in to that mental space to create more room for innovation. Yeah. And so everything I read. All of the illustrations I see, I'm constantly thinking about how I can use, apply, or morph the idea to my own purposes. And that's why, uh, I mean, there are so many things um, that I love about following illustrators on Mm -hmm. Instagram or on social media. I mean, just anywhere, because I love seeing the ways in which they decide to depict people, things, characters, colors, all of that stuff. It's just, that inspires me almost on a daily basis. Um, Because sometimes, not sometimes, all the time, it fascinates me to see how someone would render an idea. Yeah. And to say, oh, wow, I never thought about drawing boots that way. Or I never thought about, using this texture to make hair. Um, and so, yeah, I just, every moment of every day is just, I'm, I'm always kind of looking for it. Okay. But what about you? I mean, in between, you know, doing all of the things that you do, are you intentional about seeking inspiration or do you have time set aside? I mean, what, what is it like for you and, and how much time do you spend?
1: Well, I'll say that uh, I definitely feel it when my tank is empty um, and when I haven't been uh, creating enough space for it. Um, And and that's certainly been happening recently for me. I think it's really easy to get into a rut of working and then not prioritizing inspiration because you're assuming that inspiration is not part of the work.
0: Gosh, that's, yes, that's so right. Because if you're not working, then you're not producing, then what are you doing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as I've been recently talking to you about like uh, this fall has been like really stressful for me because of the amount of stuff that I signed myself up for. (laughs) Um, But particularly because everything that I've been doing um, requires a lot of um, critical thinking and I'm not giving myself the breathing room to, to to sponge up new things. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you really need that trade-off of, 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 you know, d- to your point in the story that you shared, like you need the time to be alert and being, t- paying attention to like what else is happening so that then you can apply that to the work that you're doing. Um, so I, I, I always look to, um, Twyla Tharp, who is a really fascinating, uh, choreographer and, uh, Broadway director, um, and she has a book called The Creative Habit, which I recommend to people. It's a really easy and fun read. Um, and she talks about how routine is a huge part of the creative process. Um, and, you know, because you learned earlier I love quotes, I'll give you this quote. She says, uh, the routine is as much a part of the creative process as the lightning bolt of inspiration, maybe more. And I think that's true. And she says, like, she really creates a routine for herself of, like, I get up, I work out, I drink my coffee, I take my hour to think or daydream, and then I work or whatever it is, right? Um, But the rigidity that she, those creative habits that she forms allows her to then, um, her brain knows, this is when I'm in daydream mode. This is when I'm in sponge mode. This is when I'm, like, do the work mode, and she even relates that to like music and 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 places in which we're working in our spaces, um, and certainly we don't all have the luxury of that. I'm coming to you live from my bedroom that is also my office in the middle of the pandemic, right? <laughs> I think Allie's at her kitchen table. Like we don't always get to have separation of space, um, and I, and and my students experience this a lot because they go to their single room t- to work, play, and sleep, socialize, and it's hard to compartmentalize. But when we can, we do our brains the favor of saying, like, this is the mode that I'm in right now, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's so, I,
1: like, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just think that uh, uh, making it part of our creative habit is a really great idea, making the time and space for it.
0: Is this what you were thinking about when... You were first talking about inspiration at the top of the episode and saying that it actually really requires structure.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. And the reason is because so often otherwise we push it off. We push it down the to-do list.
0: Well, I don't Uh, agree with you about Dave Matthews Band. But now (laughs) I do understand what you're saying about inspiration requiring structure.
1: I'm glad that we've come to some level of understanding here. <laughs> I just think that, um yeah, it's important that we prioritize it and that we create space for it. And that I think that when people are starting to feel like they're running on empty, they need to sit back and be like, have, have, I, have I given myself that space? Have I gotten outside and taken a walk today? Have I listened to a new podcast or um, read that thing that I've been saving and said I was going to read and just kept putting off you
0: know what I mean it's it's yeah because a lot of the times if I'm asking myself that question the answer is no yeah the answer is no I haven't finished a book and I don't even yeah. know how long or I haven't started a new podcast or mm-hmm. I am just re-watching The Office instead of finding a new series to watch yeah.
1: new content yes exactly
0: yeah, yeah. so um
1: uh, I think that I passively spend time speaking, seeking inspiration a lot, but I think when I'm intentional about it, um, I'm much happier and yes. more productive.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, speaking of intentional and yeah. productivity, our next question is about social media. So Kara, what do you think is the relationship between social media and inspiration?
1: Well, it's it's really tricky, right? I mean, there's a lot of FOMO that happens when we're on social media. What's FOMO? There's a lot of ah, fear of missing out. Got it. Right? There's a lot of like, um, uh, like I should be doing that. A lot of like I could be doing that right now. Um, A lot of like, I'm not good enough, or um, what I'm doing isn't as pretty as that, or I'm not experiencing life like this person is. Um, so I think that that can really, um, when, we, when we play the comparison game, I think that can be really hard for people. Um, but, but the side of social media that I love is that it's so um, ephemeral, right? And it's like this easy thing to just like slide through and, be greeted with like all of these like beautiful images you know and if you can curate and cultivate your own feed so that it reflects things that are like exciting and inspiring for you as opposed to this sense of like I am missing out look what these other people are doing and I'm not doing that like instead if it can lead you to a place of like this is so exciting and look at the beauty that's out there then it can be a really wonderful tool um but I think that's on us to do right Um, And I like that, like, I can see things much more in passing. I like, like, I, too, follow a ton of illustrators. I follow a lot of animators. um, And these are artists that I would never get to see their work-in-progress things. Um, They're people who probably wouldn't be featured in a gallery. And I get to see, like, their in-progress work. I get to see sketches. I get to see process, you know.
0: And That's I, the most really, exciting part, I think, for me. Yeah. Do you follow? You know, I, I I need to find the name of the account, but there is an account that I follow that posts different um, Pixar and Disney character development sketches. So they reveal the early iterations of like our most beloved characters, and it's so cool.
1: Yeah, I love I love that kind of stuff. I love that stuff. And so, um, seeing that just, uh, it's, it's, it's a special connection that like you wouldn't get to have otherwise. Right. Like it's, and, and I even say that to my students, like, um, you can use Instagram or you can use, um, I would say at least in the world of, of, of art, people use Instagram or Tumblr more than Facebook, for example. Um, to share their work at least. Um, But I encourage my students to use it to chart progress um, because if you're putting up sketches every single day, um, then not only are you receiving critique and reactions from people, but also like you can look back and recruiters can do this too. They look back and they see like, look at how this person has grown over the course of like a year or two like look at the quality of their work and that growth is like a wonderful sign in and of itself in addition to whatever like super curated beautiful stuff you have on your portfolio Mm -hmm. Um, and that's like that growth part of it is like a really exciting thing for me about something like Instagram.
0: Oh absolutely and being able to give an overall impression of your style as well Mm -hmm. is really nice too.
1: Yeah in a much more like casual way so for me like social media is a huge place for, for inspiration. Um, and the other reason why social media is a huge place for inspiration, I think for me is that like, I find a lot of inspiration in community, um, and in connectivity with other people. Um, and, and that can be like in groups of people, you know, uh, Allie and I are both moms and connecting and recognizing that other moms are going through the same things you're going through. Um, having people say like, here's an idea, I tried this, and getting that is, like, really inspirational. Oh, that's a craft I'm going to do with my kids. Oh, that's something that I'm going to do for Christmas, you know, whatever the case may be. Like, those sorts of moments are really uh, inspiring for me. Like I said, there's a double-edged sword. There are these moments that you look at social media and you're like, my kitchen does not look like that. (laughs) my art skills are not up to stuff, man. But like, I think that if, again, I think it's on you to curate and cultivate your work and bring with it, bring the grain of salt with it to recognize like everybody's putting their, their best foot forward. Right. That's exactly
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. But tell me, tell me about you. Tell me your thoughts. Well, I really like that I can see process. And Mm. so I'm, you know, in step with you on that for sure. I love um, seeing iterations of things, mm. right? So um, I love seeing um, historical or costume clothing on yeah. uh, Instagram. So that's part of like the environment that I curate for myself on there. Yeah. So You will
1: I've, hate this, but can I put it, something out for other people? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Is it like Dave Matthews Band historical concert t-shirts? No, it's classic Hollywood, which
1: you don't care about at all, but the rest of the world will. It's an account called This Was Hollywood, and they just show snippets of dances and um, uh, scenes and amazing behind-the-scenes photos of actors and actresses and they have quotes and stories. It's like this lovely account. Um, but I, I, as soon as you said historical, I was like, yes, I agree. Like I have these accounts that I love and that's one of them.
0: Yeah. That sounds awesome. Um, you know, and I think there's also a part of the accessibility that I love so much about Instagram. One of my favorite things to do is to search a hashtag and, um, Getting exposed to different creators that um, use that hashtag I think is so, so fun. Uh, And um, I discovered some really amazing people um, and groups too, right, Uh, to follow and to support because I like doing that. And, And here's the thing. We don't have endless supplies of money, but I can support artists, creators, activists, by engaging with their social media. And Mm -hmm. so I feel somewhat empowered to use that tool um, as a place for inspiration. And going back to process, there is a content creator right now that I'm following pretty closely. I actually gave her a shout out um, on our Instagram the other day. Her name is Dawn and she is under the moniker um, at dressing underscore Dawn, D-A-W-N. And she is a fashion style blogger, but she is also um, a bullet journaler and a planner. And she has a very stylized and well thought out templates that she makes available. She's a great um, designer. She has a great eye. uh, And she is also very active on that platform in conversation about her process. Mm -hmm. And it has been really great to watch her journey, especially over this year, where she set certain goals for herself at the beginning of the year, as to what she wanted to do with her platform and how she wanted it to grow, the pandemic definitely um, impacted that um, that journey. And just in these recent weeks, she's talked a lot about um, how she maybe strayed from her goals or how her goals changed, and she's been very transparent about it. And That's what I cool it is, it's really cool. And I identify with a lot of that processing that she's doing kind of out in the open. And it's, I think, really nice when you're going through or have gone through uh, that kind of creative... Um, I'm not going to... You know, it is a struggle. I am going to say struggle some, because it's yeah. it's you've got to make decisions. You have yeah. to... Uh, determine what it is that you want your product to be, who you want to be defined as. And um, and so yeah, it's really great to see that and to identify with it. Um, so that that is part of what I really enjoy about social media is that access that you get to uh, community, to others, to information.
1: Uh, another video that I'll link to on our website, Um, that sort of describes some of this uh, process and, like, the double-edged sword aspect, I think, of it, is um, it's an excerpt from an interview with Ira Glass, uh, a favorite of both Allie's and mine, um, that's commonly referred to, the interview piece is referred to as The Gap, um, and he talks about um, when you first start making work, um, that, you know, you have a level of taste that you are looking to um, reach, and how your abilities don't necessarily match that taste. Like what you're making doesn't live up to your own expectations. It disappoints you, um, and that gap uh, stops you from uh, making art. That you, yeah, yeah, yeah. That you you stop and you say, "Well, I'm never going to be good enough, and so I should just stop now." Yeah. And I think I think that social media the one side of it could do that to you. You could look at it and be like, I'm never going to be able to make this. Um, so I'm going to stop now. But I think the other side of social media is like, look at all these people who are, as Ira Glass says, doing the work and pushing through it so that they can reach a higher level of success and so that they can finally reach that level of taste that they are trying, um, they're, they're, that like level of success in their own mind that they're you know, ascribing for. Is that a word? Reaching for. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and I, I – um, it's really important to remember that, like, when we start working and when we get inspired and when we first start making, like, it's we're going to hit these rough spots and that like, you, you're you not going to get there right away and that that's okay. And that also, by the way, there's a community on social media that's still excited to see your work yes. and see that, see that process and progress.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're there. Um, they may just be our moms, but you know, they're, (laughs) they're there. (laughs) So, um, you know, especially when we're talking about social media, there's so much content out there. Um, I know that this is, you know, Twitter as well. We, we didn't even touch Twitter very much. Um, you know, what is the line between inspiration and stealing? How do you define it? What? lines can be crossed what lines should never be crossed
1: i think all of art is stealing i think art is replication and um, while we have to understand the shoulders of people that we're standing on um we need to be a little more um forgiving of ourselves for uh utilizing other people's uh work and and uh and being inspired and emulating other people's work um I think that uh, you need to credit other people if you are legit taking their work, (laughs) and I think that you need to um, definitely uh, uh, pay people accordingly if you're ever making money off of someone's work. Oh, absolutely, yes. Yeah, be very clear about that. However, um, you don't develop your own style without mushing together a bunch of other people's styles. Yeah, that's what it is, that, like, your style is an amalgamation of all the things that you have touched and seen in your life, right? And even the people that we think of as being, like, icons who are, like, auteurs and have made these things that are, like, um, beautiful and, and totally iconic and are, are people who have then sourced that material from other people. Of course, yeah. um, I think uh, the best example, or more, a, a recent, like, a modern example is Wes Anderson. I love Wes Anderson. Um, I love uh, so much about what he does. But when I saw the movie Harold and Maude by Hal Ashby, I realized that Wes Anderson stole 80% of what he did and what he does from this movie Harold and Maude and from Hal Ashby as a director in general. But I ain't mad. Like, that's okay with me. Like, Wes Anderson will be the first person to say that this movie was a huge inspiration for him and uh, it has led to some of my favorite uh, more recent work and he has he has been able to take what he loves from that movie and make it his own in an incredible way. Uh, and so to me that's not stealing. That's like learning and growing and borrowing and shaping in your own image. Like that's a wonderful thing.
0: Sure. Um, and- but I don't know. What do you think? I mean I think that – Stealing is flat out copying, right? Like just straight right. up copying, meaning there's no spin and there's no citation. Right. Well, and that's a good way. yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's no acknowledging. If I'm saying that you're stealing, it's because there's no acknowledgement of what came before. And, um, and then there's also, you know, areas of art, or uh, our culture that are very much steeped in copying. For example, um, TikTok, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just duplicating over and over and again, right? Um, Same thing
1: with memes. Like that's mm-hmm. why memes are
0: successful because we know where they came from. Right. right. No. <laughs> or fashion, right? If you're that's- not copying, if you're not straight up stealing, then you're on the outs. Um yeah. So, you know, there is a really fine line, um, but the line that I think you don't cross is when you know you're taking inspiration from something directly. It's not an amalgamation of all of the things you've seen in your life, in your head, or it's not, um, you know, it's not an arm's distance away. You know it's closer than that, and you don't cite it. You don't acknowledge, you know, that, that starting point.
1: Yeah, the beef I have is is when people are making money off of something and not point. crediting,
0: yeah. appropriately, absolutely,
1: yeah. Um, but otherwise, I think that um, I think sometimes uh, artists are afraid of borrowing from other artists, uh, and 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 I think that especially on the onset of a of a creative endeavor. Um, I mean, that's where we start. We gather reference mm-hmm. like that's yes. That's a that's a part of the process. Right. So we shouldn't be
0: afraid to do that part.
1: Allie, so for you, what does it mean to be uninspired?
0: This question, I think, was one of the toughest for me to answer and or to, you know, kind of formulate my answer. And I think that what I ended up landing on was that it's to not have that joy to vive and to not take any risks in your work. Um, and the best example that I can give of something that is uninspired is the concept of sequels. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, Hear me out. I'm not going to call out any specific sequels.
1: Allie just bagged on Trolls too to me, everybody, so just so you know.
0: <laughs> That's exactly why I wasn't going to call out any sequels. <laughs> but here's the thing. Hear me out on why I have strong feelings about sequels not being or, or sequels being kind of the um, definition of uninspired. Because the initial story... That's the inspired story, right? That's the spark. There's that this story needs to be out there and told. And I'll do anything to make that happen. And you get to grow characters and tell this story that's core to who they are, who the writers are. And and so to me, it's the initial story that's really inspired. The sequel in general is or can be derived from that first story and it's got other motives than just to put the story out in the world and it lacks that fire and it has to follow a formula generally that mimics the first story. And if you're trying to tell another story by following the formula of a different story, it's not always successful. And when your motive is not to tell the story and to inspire others and to connect, but your story is to sell merchandise or get, uh, get box office dollars or uh, fulfill a contract, then the work has different energy. And that is what I think about when I think about being uninspired.
1: It's interesting because um, I took this question more as, like, for me personally, but weirdly it's similar. Like, I I find I'm uninspired when I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. Or I can't remember why. I can't remember my reasons. (laughs) And that could be either like I signed up for this out of pride or ego. Mm -hmm. Or I wanted to impress somebody. Mm -hmm. Or I'm speaking to a specific like one person or specific type of audience instead of doing what, instead of speaking to like my values. Yeah. Yeah, You know, those are the moments when I'm like lost because I'm not following like my own inner compass. That's absolutely
0: right, yeah. I'm
1: worried about what other people are thinking. The one devil's advocate piece I will play to the sequels uh, note is that I view sequels so differently now that I have children watching movies (laughs) because as a personal audience member for movies, I feel similarly to you that I get frustrated when that piece of art was made for um, money instead of uh, to tell a specific story. Uh, as a parent, I am now thrilled when there is another uh, uh, installment in the property because my children are know that property, they love that property, and they want to watch more of it.
0: You know, I, I can't argue with this. Today, I was having a conversation with my husband about how excited I am for any disney movie to come out now now i understand because it's gonna add one more thing to our repertoire and there's the gonna thing. be yeah there's gonna be more time between the instances in which i have to watch moana now because i can add another movie into that rotation yes. and yes. and i'm pumped i'm really pumped yeah. yeah they become events with a capital e like yes. it's a thing yes. yeah <laughs> So I think this is a question that I was looking forward to the most. Yes. Okay, so Kara, who or what inspires you the most?
1: Oh man. Uh, uh, so many, so many potential answers here. Um, but let me let me narrow it down to three or four. <laughs> um, first and foremost are um, my mom and stepdad uh, are really inspirational for me. Um, and, and now they are, they continue to be, but especially when I was growing up, um, I lived in a household that was always trying new things. My parents owned an advertising agency and then they were always doing side hustles on, on the side. Um, they made t-shirts, they wrote and created greeting cards, um, they started a snow globe company.
0: Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Back yeah. up. Um, yeah. A snow globe company, I need to know more.
1: So uh, when we were taking my sister to a camp in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, we drove through a town called Christmas, Michigan. And my parents were like, what if we captured snow from Christmas, Michigan and put it into snow globes and sold it to people as the first snowfall of Christmas, which I still think is a brilliant idea. And so they, like, started, like, uh, my mom designed the snow globe, and Roger, my stepdad, wrote up this, like, amazing story behind the first snowfall of Christmas. Oh, wow. Then they proceeded to buy a motel in what? Christmas, Michigan. What? Oh my gosh, they, really? Yeah, they own, they don't own it anymore, but they owned the hotel called the Christmas Motel in Christmas, Michigan. And they were going to turn it into like a tourist destination where you could come and get your first, the first snowfall of Christmas snow globe. And it would be like a yearly
0: thing. This is amazing.
1: I know. And they were going to have like a reindeer farm and have like all this amazing stuff. Um, and and then, of course, like all sorts of reality set in. like the snow globes were very difficult to produce. They were having a hard time finding like a good factory. What do reindeer um, eat? What do reindeer eat? I they mean. bought this motel and found out that like running a motel is very hard. Um, and when you're not there all the time, that like you have to leave it to other people and finding good people can be difficult. And anyway, but they did all of these things. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, to be able to see that you can keep trying and that uh, you can uh, keep striving for. Uh, and 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 what I think the thing that I liked most about it was it, it wasn't like these were all like get-rich-quick schemes or anything. They're both artists and they were excited to try new things and they were excited to try to capture new things and fun projects and and to, and to see that and, again, to see that, like, Oh, this one didn't work out. Let's try something else. Meanwhile, while we're running our successful business also um, was a really great lesson for me and all of my siblings um, to grow up with. So now I'm not afraid to try things, and I'm not afraid to fail, and um, I'm not afraid. Um, I'm, I know sometimes things are, uh, as I was just talking with you about, Ali, sometimes things are like going to be these these big epic adventures that hopefully lots of people will hear about. And other times they're like little tiny projects that make me happy. And I do to make my heart full. Yeah. Um, and so to have that um, like literally woven through my childhood was a really wonderful and inspiring um, thing for me. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they're my number one. Okay. Um, another person who I, who I, um, draw a lot of inspiration from is uh, my friend Natalia um, who lives in Los Angeles and she's a writer um, and a curator um, and a cancer survivor and she's one of those people that has just had a really fascinating um, set of life experiences that when I look at all of the things she has done and also been through and the way that she approaches life, like the candor and humor that she approaches life, I find that to be incredibly inspiring. Um, and often she's my inner voice of like, is this funny? Is this the right thing to be doing? Would Natalia like this? Um, and so I, I, I lean on her, her voice and her humor a lot in my head.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. What about you? Um, you know, I think the number one is my son. Ah. He inspires me so much Because I want him to see me doing things that I love. And I want him to be able to try new things. And to explore different um, ways of being in the world. And so... um, And also... I think he inspires me to do things that I've always wanted to do, or I've always wanted to learn to do so that I can create a fun and memorable environment for him as a child. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, he inspires me day in and day out pretty much in, in everything that I do. Um, second, I would say my teachers. So I've had lots of teachers over the years and, um, I think that they have all been brilliant and kind and the ones that I developed really strong relationships with have opened up um, new worlds for me, whether that be in literature or in how you engage with other people. And uh, so my teachers continue to inspire me. And like you said, they're kind of that voice in the, in the back of my head, right? Saying, um, is this something that is worthwhile, is this something that uh, you can bring passion to, um, is this, you know, new, or fun, or exciting, or worthwhile, right, so I love that, um, and then the last two um, are just, well, one of them is not even real, but the other one is very real, so um uh, definitely the character of Joe March in Little Women, hands yes. down, one hundred percent. Her character, I think about it all the time. Yeah, and there's this great line in the uh, in the '90s version, the Winona Ryder version, where she's in New York, and she's at the table, and they're discussing the um pros and cons of women being given the right to vote. And um, I believe one of the men at the table says to Joe, um, you know, Miss March, uh, you would have been a great lawyer. And she, without even missing a beat, says, oh, I would have been a great many things. Mm. And, I'm, and I think about that a lot because we have to make choices about what we're going to be. And we have to be intentional with those choices in order to achieve those goals. And, um, and yeah, so that inspires me every day to say, I can be a great many things, but today I'm going to choose to be this. Oh, well, that's great. And then last but not least is, oh gosh, this feels so stereotypical. Cause I'm like every Mexican girl in her thirties is like, I love Frida Kahlo, but like <laughs> I have loved Frida Kahlo for a really long time. Um, I will go see her art anywhere I can find it. Um, I've traveled to go see her art. I love it so much, and um, it—the surrealism and the suffering and the incredible amount of independence that I see in her work. Is something that resonates with me, um, and she she has an incredible story, so um, she inspires me. Also, I was born with a unibrow, and so <laughs> I get I just I look up to her, you know, as like good unibrow energy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love it, <laughs> and I feel like we could talk for like so much. Oh longer my gosh! About I know. Things. That inspire us. I'm really interested to hear, though. I hope we can hear from our listeners about who or what inspires them as well and where they find their sources of inspiration, whether it's in their personal lives or if there are accounts we need to be following. <laughs> yes. Or artists that we need to be supporting. Like, I really I can't wait to hear that kind of information from those people as well.
0: Same, same. So um, now that we've, you know, gone through our worksheets, Um, it's time to talk about what we're learning or really what we're thinking about this week. So what are you thinking about this week, Kara? Uh,
1: This week, I'm thinking about my students who are wrapping up um, their work for this semester. Uh, And particularly, I'm thinking about my animation lab group. Uh, So a class that I co-teach at Uh, UTD is called uh, Animation Lab, and it's where we bring 40 to 60 students together over a year uh, to make a three-minute CG animated short. And we try to um, mimic a studio setting and give students as as much of a real experience as possible. And uh, these students have made just the most delightful and glorious short this year. It's called Night Shift and when this episode comes out, the premiere is going to be the day after, which is so exciting for me. So it premieres, um, if you're listening to this on time, it premieres Thursday, December 10th uh, at 7 p.m., and I will provide all the information on the website in case you want to check it out because it will be a virtual premiere, Um, but even if you are unable to attend the premiere. uh, Absolutely go to the website and learn more about this delightful short. Um, I'm particularly proud of this group uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, they went, they made a short in the middle of a pandemic, right? So they had about three months together, less than that, two and a half months together, and then the rest of this time, they've been struggling to do this virtually, just like all the rest of us. And to pull off a piece of artwork like this in the middle of a pandemic is incredible. Um, I'm also so excited because um, it was primarily led by women of color. And so our two directors are these badass Filipino ladies. uh, And um, one of our producers is a badass black woman. Um, and I'm so excited. Um, and there's and there's plenty of plenty of other exciting voices in this uh, project as well. But to be able to um, support uh, these female students on their journey to creative leadership is just, Um, the reason why I love my job. It's what I, this is what I wanted to do. And so to have these moments for me, like I'm going to get
0: emotional. I cried in class the other day. I think I scared the crap out of them. So Kara, but can you tell us a little bit about what it's about? Because I'm, I've been really looking forward to the premiere Mm -hmm. since you told me about the concept. So can you tell our listeners just a little bit about what night shift the story is?
1: It's, about a little girl who's waiting, um, and, I, and I don't want to spoil too much, but basically um, it's about the fact that one of her parents um, is working a night shift and she's waiting for her parent to come home to her, and she misses her, um, and uh, she falls asleep waiting and in the process has like a magical experience and journey um, as she's waiting to be reunited with her parents. Um, And it's it's based off of, um, you know, obviously it's a fantasy, but it's based off of real experiences that my directors had uh, in waiting for their parents who were like those first responders were those essential workers who were like out there uh, in the world working those like difficult night shifts away from their children. Um, So the fact that it's like based in that reality and is such like a love letter to their parents and their upbringing
0: just means so much to me. I can't wait. I really can't wait.
1: Yay.
0: (laughs) What about you, Allie? What are you thinking about this week? So I am almost two months into my job at Toyota. Woo! (laughs) And it has been incredible. And as someone who thinks a lot about the employee experience and um, talent retention and talent development, um, I've been thinking a lot about how virtual onboarding differs from the in-person onboarding experience. And I'm in the process of recording some content for LinkedIn. And for our Instagram, because I think I'm going to branch out um, on some tips for our listeners who might be starting new jobs during the pandemic, just to make the most of that virtual onboarding experience. And um, and also, um, you know, we're winding down the end of our season, but I have been so fulfilled by the creation of this podcast and the conversations that it has um, produced and just... Uh, just all of that, and so I'm really thinking this week about how to um, how to keep that going while we are on season break, and how also for um, all of you guys that are interested or starting to think about your New Year's resolutions and goal setting at the start of the year. I know Kara is because her birthday's coming up, so. <laughs> um, And I've also been thinking about how I'm going to utilize my platforms to be more of um, like almost career documentation. I love that. Right? So thinking about how I can use my platforms to um, capture what I've learned and um, what I'm doing uh, so that I don't forget those experiences. Not that I'm going to forget, but so that I can draw from those experiences, and share with others more readily. So um, that's what I'm thinking about. I encourage you guys to follow me on Instagram. It's at underscore Allie Perkins. Uh, You can also follow um, me on LinkedIn. So you can find me under Allie Perkins on LinkedIn. And I'll be posting that kind of casual content, hopefully on a regular basis starting in the new year.
1: That's so cool, and we will we'll cross-post it on YTOS yeah. podcast Instagram as well. Um, that's so exciting, though, Allie, um, and also I just want to give you props for that because um, you you've yourself have worked really hard on career development for yourself this year, but also you have been instrumental in helping others in their career development this year. And it's really becoming such a passion for you Mm -hmm. and a place of knowledge for you. So it's really exciting that you're going to share that with other people.
0: I'm pumped. I really am. Okay,
1: well, I think that wraps up our episode on inspiration. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of You'll Think of Something. Just as a reminder, the views expressed in this podcast are the personal thoughts and feelings of the hosts and do not reflect those of their affiliated workplaces or larger organizations. To find more resources from the show, including the worksheet for this episode, visit ytos-podcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram at ytos.podcast. And please email us with feedback, with your worksheets, or with suggestions for future shows at ytos.podcast at gmail.com. And remember, don't worry, you'll think of something.